It's a challenge because you you hope you get the warning out. You, you put as much warning out as you can. You get the message out and you just hope that it's heard and you just hope that it's acted upon. And you don't know when you're on this side looking at a computer, you don't know if people are taking this seriously enough. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Jonathan Erdman, Senior Digital Meteorologist at the Weather Channel. Jonathan, how are you? Doing great, Peter. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And our topic today is weather risk management tactics. But before we begin, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your background and your role at the Weather Channel? Sure. So I was born and raised in Southeast Wisconsin, and really my interest in meteorology started by a close encounter with a tornado as a seven-year-old just after school that skipped over my house, which I later learned was surveyed by Dr. Theodore Fujita, which if you've heard of tornado damage scales, the Fujita scale was named after. Oh, wow. So it started early. It was a fear and it was a fascination at the same time. So after that, I studied physics at the University of Wisconsin, completed my master's work at Colorado State University, which involved <laughs> which involved field studies, which included installing basically lightning rods near thunderstorms. So, oh, man. you know, I've you'd think after a tornado almost hit my house, I would made a better choices <laughs> for field work. Right. <laughs> but after college, I worked briefly for a company called Weather Data Incorporated out of Wichita, Kansas. They were a weather risk management company who, among other the tasks, I issued tornado, flash flood, winter storm warnings for clients such as railroads, utilities, and private industry. So it was basically like the National Weather Service, but laser focused to what the client was concerned about as far as adverse weather. Right. So after that, in 1998, I came to the Weather Channel as a forecaster, soon transitioned to become the Weather Channel's first weather producer, which is basically briefing a, a show's producers on current weather, helping to research content. And then in 2010, I transitioned to weather.com, where I've since written articles, appeared in videos, done a few podcasts, <laughs> took part in social media, and generally helped coordinate weather coverage from then until now. Well, fantastic. That's a good background. And that leads me to my first question, which is what types of content do you create for the Weather Channel and how does it help your audiences be more prepared for weather events? So Peter, we produce video and articles for the Weather Channel app and for the desktop website covering weather stories around the world. Basically what's either impactful or interesting from basic weather forecasts to look ahead forecasts, say here's something we're looking at a week ahead of time that could be interesting, could be impactful to perspective pieces. So we cover everything from winter storms and cold outbreaks to severe thunderstorms and tornadoes to hurricanes to heat waves you name it we cover it basically our forecast content is meant to alert our users ahead of time so telling them how impactful a storm could be when it will hit basically all those critical details. Now, when a storm is farther out in time, those critical details aren't as clear. so we will produce content that is almost serves as a heads up you know this storm could happen seven days from now. check back with your forecast and, and you know, keep abreast of any changes in the forecast. So there's something new every day. There's something going on in the world impactful every day. And that's basically what our job is, is telling our users about that impactful weather. 
And when it comes to the type of stuff you cover, it said you're covering stuff that's actually happening right now and stuff that you're pretty sure about. But then there's a lot of just heads up like, yeah, it could happen. What's the balance there? Is it like 70, 80 percent is this could happen, but doesn't come to fruition and 20 percent does? I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah. In some cases, it depends on the pattern. There are some patterns we'll get into that are very active. So we could have, say, a tornado outbreak going on today, and then the pattern just keeps going and going and going. So we could do content on both what's going on now and what's coming on a week from now. And then there are some patterns that are just a little sleepier, a little quieter. So then we have to go into our perspective pieces where we may write something on when is the peak of the hurricane season and why? When is the peak for tornadoes in the U.S. and why? And things like that. So it's a different menu every day. Yeah. And we go in and look at the weather, what the weather is going on right now and what the weather is going on in the future and kind of decide our mix. Sometimes it's 50-50, sometimes it's 80% now, 20% next week. Well, you mentioned one before about how you got into meteorology, but what are some examples of specific events, situations, or stories that you've covered that basically inspired you to help organizations and individuals with weather risk management? Well, I've been doing this for 23 years now, and over that time I've covered, and by, by the way, what I mean by cover is I cover from my desk. <laughs> right. I don't go in the field, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> Except for those those lightning rods you were putting up a long time <laughs> exactly. ago. <laughs> exactly. I think that forever cured me of that, that <laughs> desire. But in about 23 years, I've covered over 150 Atlantic hurricanes, several hundred winter storms, and dozens of severe weather outbreaks. Number one among those was Hurricane Katrina. And I was, I was working, I was covering Your Weather Today as a weather producer, the morning show on the Weather Channel's cable network. And I'll just never forget it. I mean, we were monitoring the imminent strike on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, but we had admittedly breathed a sigh of relief regarding Southeast Louisiana. And that was until the first National Weather Service flash flood warning came across and said, there's a problem with the levee system. And I just felt helpless as a meteorologist. Wow. There's just nothing I could do at that point. The other thing that pops to mind immediately was the spring of 2011. And I noticed a previous podcast episode discussed the super outbreak. Mm -hmm. The Joplin tornado left a mark with me. Just the, the number of the violent long track tornadoes that we saw that spring, the ferocity of the damage, you know, mobile homes thrown 300 yards, appliances shredded or missing, a home's concrete slab pulled out of the ground. Not just the home wiped away, but the concrete slab was pulled out. Jeez. You know, parking blocks scraped from the ground with rebar. And frankly, the, the Joplin episode sticks with me more than anything because despite the warnings that were issued, some in the public didn't take shelter immediately and, looked, and instead looked outside. And what they saw was a violent tornado hit in a curtain of rain. That just looked like this rain shaft and this dark cloud. It didn't look like a tornado. Wow. So uh, there's been a number of events like that. Uh, there's also been recent flood events, which have really started to resonate more over the most recent few years. The Louisiana flood of 2016 in Baton Rouge in that area, Hurricane Harvey in 2017 in Texas, Hurricane Florence in the Carolinas. And there was a Nebraska spring flood in 2019 from a bomb cyclone. So hurricanes and tornadoes, it's easy. It's like moths to a light. You know, they go to it. It's, it's attention grabbing. But more recently, it's been these massive flood events that have grabbed my attention. How has the emotional experience that you experienced changed how you approach these events? You know, I've always had kind of a love-hate relationship doing this. I love in a Category 5 hurricane in the middle of the ocean away from any shipping lanes and mm. with no threat to land. It's more theoretical at that point. <laughs> exactly. It's right. It's, it's, it's a textbook thing. Yeah. You know, a tornado out in the middle of the grasslands, you know, in no population. Perfect. It's hard. The April 27, 2011, the, the big day of the super outbreak, I continuously covered tornado warnings somewhere in the country 
for 12 hours straight because it was just a continuous wave after wave after wave. And just after seeing all these reports of damage, it, it really, there is a, I don't want to say PTSD. I think that, you know, I, I think that's a little overstating it, but yeah, after these big events, I, you know, all the meteorologists need a break covering these. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't help it, but you know what's going on out there, you know? I mean, you may not physically be seeing it, you're not in the field, but you know the devastation that these things can cause. If anyone understands better than anyone else, it's you and, you know, folks with your understanding of the weather. So, yeah, it's tough. Well, and it's a challenge because you you hope you get the warning out. You, you put as much warning out as you can, you get the message out, and you just hope that it's heard. And you just hope that it's acted upon. And you don't know when you're on this side looking at a computer, you don't know if people are taking this seriously enough. And I think that's the key there is like people may hear, but do they really listen? It's really hard to get people to listen. So actually just curious about that. Like, is there anything that, that you personally or as a profession can do to get people to listen better? Well, that's a big emphasis right now in meteorology is working with social scientists mm -hmm. who say, you know, you guys can pump out all the warnings you want. But here are ways you can pump out the warning and have it resonate with people and have people act upon it. To put what may have been considered before a kind of overhyped language in it, but it may get people to act. You know, the best example I can think of is the National Hurricane Center National Weather Service uh, more recently with some recent hurricanes have put unsurvivable when they refer to storm surge flooding. That was a case in Hurricane Laura, Hurricane Harvey, I believe, in Hurricane Ike. Because if you think about it, storm surges in, in what we saw in Laura, we saw an up to 18 foot storm surge. Wow. It's 18 feet above ground. You cannot survive that if you're at the coast. You can't do it. And so this is the type of interaction between the meteorologists and the social scientists, I think uh, hopefully will help in the long term. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Well, I know we've been talking about the big devastating stuff out there, and a lot of organizations have preparedness plans in place for big weather events or natural disasters like hurricanes and earthquakes and massive flooding. But what are some of the lower level risks that might be overlooked? See, that's the insidious part of weather. So I don't want to make everybody paranoid, but you know, we've recently seen cases of flash flood events that are not associated with hurricanes or tropical storms. So the most important thing I can pass along is it doesn't take a major newsworthy weather event to produce dangerous weather impacts. So again, flash I keep coming to flash flooding. I am convinced flash flooding is the most underrated weather hazard out there. Oh yeah. It can happen from just one or two slow moving single thunderstorms that happen to stall right over your place of work, your home, or a larger cluster of storms the size of one small state, you know, stalling over a period of a few hours. So just recently, we had an event in Southeast Texas and Southwest Louisiana. Within about an hour or two, water was all the way up to the wheel wells on vehicles in Lake Charles, Louisiana, Port Arthur, Texas. Some of these areas had 18 inches of rain that day. Wow. So the problem is you get, you get these events that pop up. Again, it's not a major event. It's not, it's not leading the nightly news the day before as a hurricane approaches land would do. And then you have people trying to drive through them. You know, most flood deaths occur in vehicles when you try and drive through a flooded road and you find out the water's flowing, it picks up your car and moves through the car and you've lost control, or there's no road there anymore. It's been washed away and your car just plunges right into, into the water. So that's just one example of the type of event that it's not a major news story. You're probably not going to hear about three or four days ahead of time. But if your areas, if your weather service put us on a flash flood watch, you should probably be alert that this type of thing can happen. Yeah. Are there other things like that that pop up that people should be really wary of? Are there like lightning watches, anything like that? So I should probably start by saying I'm as guilty of this as anybody because you don't think this will happen to you. You think it's something that happens somewhere else to somebody else. 
So lightning is a classic example of this, right? You see the dark sky, you say, well, maybe I have 20 more minutes to, to finish cutting the lawn. Right. You know, we're just finishing a volleyball game at the beach. You know, we're finishing a corporate event here. We've got a big tent out here. I have a corporate event. Maybe I can wait another 20 minutes. Well, if you can hear thunder, you're in danger of being struck by lightning. That's a reliable rule of thumb. It probably won't happen to you, but if it does, that's an issue. Another hazard that kind of slips under the radar is light snow. So let's pretend you're in an area that gets snow every year. Say, you know, I'm in Wisconsin. Say you're in New York State and you get snow every year. Light snow doesn't sound all that dangerous, but it doesn't take a heavy snowstorm to make roads slippery. Uh. And if that one inch of snow would happen to fall in less than an hour and something called a snow squall, we had one of these in Southeast Wisconsin in April. All of a sudden, your visibility goes from clear to 100 yards or less, and you can get in multi-vehicle accidents that could be deadly. So I kind of blame myself sometimes. I'm, I, again, I'm attracted to the tornado outbreaks. I'm attracted to the hurricanes. They're interesting stories, but it doesn't take that big of an event to produce dangerous weather, as we mentioned earlier. Well, with uh, frequent environmental changes and heightened risks for weather events these days, are there any strategies that businesses can adopt to be more vigilant in their preparedness efforts? Yeah, I guess I would say in general, just know the types of weather hazards that can affect your area. And it's, you know, if you're in a hurricane zone, obviously you know that. If you get severe thunderstorms, you kind of know that. But how susceptible is your area to flash flooding? How susceptible is your area to again, the occasional light snow. And, you know, being in Austin, it's a perfect example of this, right? You may get one snow every couple of years, but when it happens, it's big. So it's an infrequent event, but it has huge impact. So you have to have a plan for that. You know, I, I lived in Atlanta for many years when I worked at the Weather Channel for the TV network. And, you know, we would have the same type of one half inch snow, but shuts down the city for six days in a row type events. So yes. it's not just the, you know, in Austin, of course, you have flooding. Flooding is a big issue. It's not just that, but you have to think about these infrequent events that can have big impact. You know, as far as hurricane categories is, is kind of a tricky one. If you're in a hurricane zone, you know, we talk about hurricane categories, cat one, cat two, cat three, but those are based only on the wind impact. Mm. You really need to respect the power of a hurricane's water because 88% of U.S. deaths from hurricanes and tropical storms are from water, storm surge, rainfall flooding, not from the wind. So have plans in place to deal with the flooding, not just from a hurricane's winds. And it seems like it's become more and more of a problem because so many people are moving into these hurricane-prone zones. Yeah, that's right. And you know, if it was me and I wasn't a meteorologist and I moved from Wisconsin down to Florida, I would. I would <laughs> that you're, you're talking. You're talking to someone that would have that problem. Another thing to pay attention to to kind of help your plan is also pay attention to how fast or slow a hurricane is moving. That matters a lot for rainfall potential. As we saw at Harvey in 2017, if you get a tropical cyclone that stalls. The rainfall flood danger goes way up. So, you know, these are the type of things to think about. And I guess in general, you kind of need a system to communicate and alert your employees about these hazards. You know, maybe it's using, maybe it's just a quick email that's sent out to say, hey, there's a flash flood watch out. You, you know, we live in Southeast Texas. You know what this means. Just be careful if you're driving around. You know, maybe it's, it's not spam if it's helping people prepare. So right. just the simple things like that can, can keep people in the loop. Well, thinking back on your career, how have research methods and technologies in general changed throughout your career? And how do they help you communicate weather risk and perspective? I love this question because when I first started in meteorology, I was ripping off forecast maps off of a dot matrix difax printer. <laughs> I was getting satellite images, printed out satellite images, almost like on Kodak type film from this huge blue box 
that would belch out a satellite image about every couple of hours. Wow. And models were just starting, you know, models were being used, but were, weren't terribly available. But I mean, now it's just, it's amazing. We can not only run, you know, these sophisticated computer forecast models on supercomputers, but we can run each individual model several different times with slightly different conditions. Wow. And that's called ensemble forecasting. What that does, that only will give you a forecast but it'll give you an idea of the confidence of your forecast. So if you have, say, 51 different versions of a model and you tweak the conditions a little bit and they all still say a hurricane is going to form and head toward Louisiana, you have some pretty good confidence that this is going to happen. But if they, you know, if half of them don't even spin up a hurricane at all, if half of them move it toward Florida, then you say, well, our uncertainty is pretty high here. So there's a lot we still don't know yet. So ensemble forecasting, I, I in my opinion, has been the biggest, most beneficial change in technology that I've seen over, over many years. Now, that's truly amazing. I, even my 14-year-old unsolicited came up to me the other day and said, Dad, one of the most amazing scientific achievements we have as humans is our ability to forecast the weather. I'm like, wow, wow. how did you realize that? <laughs> well, wow, that's that. I appreciate that. You know, we, we made some progress over the years. I, I, you know, generally when I was growing up, you know, a good three-day forecast, you know, by the third day, you'd say, no, nah, nah, I don't know about that the day three forecast. And now it's, we're routinely making seven-day forecasts out there. And in general, they're fairly accurate. So yeah, it's amazing. I was looking at an app on my phone. I won't say which one it was, but it said rainfall drizzling, not rainfall, but drizzling will start in 23 minutes. And I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that technology with, I should mention Doppler radar too. Obviously that's, that's been a game changer with detecting rotation and thunderstorms and tornadoes. By the way, not just detecting rotation and thunderstorms, with the more recent Doppler radar technology, we can detect lofted debris from tornadoes wow. so that we can actually say there is a confirmed tornado in progress based on radar, not by what someone sees. So if you think about it at night, if you don't have spotters out, how do you know there's a tornado out there? Mm. Doppler radar now can detect if, if, if it even hits trees or unfortunately if it hits buildings, that there's lofted debris from, from a tornado. That's incredible. And just for our listeners and for me personally, what is Doppler radar in 60 seconds or less? How's it different? Yeah, so conventional radar detects rainfall, precipitation in clouds. What Doppler radar does, it, it detects the motion of those raindrops in the clouds. So it detects motion toward the radar and away from the radar. So in that way, it can detect rotation in thunderstorms that may or may not be associated with tornadoes. Okay, very good. Thank you for that. Well, we like to close out each episode by asking our guests to give the audience a piece of advice or a lesson learned that they can immediately implement to make an impact at their organization. So in your mind, what can our listeners do today to improve their overall risk management tactics or just be better prepared for weather events overall? Well, in general, just be more weather aware. Just know that if you hear of a weather watch, say, if you hear about a weather watch on your way to work, tell others that work and think about what you would do if say flooding a hurricane or tornado were to strike your area and plan ahead. And then finally, as, as I've learned from the school of hard knocks with weather, it can happen to you. It doesn't simply happen to someone else you read about. If you don't respect the danger, it could happen to you. So plan as if someday, unfortunately, it may happen to you. Yeah, respect the danger. I like that. Excellent. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the show today. We appreciate your time, expertise, and advice. If anyone out there listening has follow-up questions or wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you out there? Sure. Well, I'm on both Twitter and Instagram at WXJerdman. That's W-X-J-E-R-D-M-A-N. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. 
Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.